Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 105, a week late, a buck short. Wait, there's money involved in this? Is there money involved? No, there's, there's no money in this. Yes, we were uh, not available last week at the last minute uh, thanks to illness, which I am mostly over. Uh, Amanda is still making terrible biological sounds. Yeah, you've threatened to record me. <laughs> I know. Oh, I think we're going to record some of them I don't think you today <laughs> during this show. We've already gotten one. We are 30 seconds into the show, <laughs> and we've got one cough. I'll try to keep my hand on the, the cough button. Thanks. But... Oh, yeah, just yet another. It always happens. You know, early <laughs> spring, late winter, fucking Boston, some horrible disease plague always, <laughs> always friggin' goes around. And Come to Boston. We have plague. Yeah, repeatedly <laughs> on an every six week basis for about three to four months out of the year. Something like that. Yeah. yeah this time it was fucking Andrew who sits across from me at my day job. <laughs> and I, you could see the fever baking off him. There was nothing behind his eyes. He was either on some serious barbiturates or just feverish. It's uh, multiple people that, dude, go home. It's like, no, no, I can do it. And I'm like, you motherfucker. It's not about you doing your job. You go home so I don't get sick. I got sick. Yeah. You immediately got sick. You and, are the vector of infection. Are you happy? Uh, usually it's you because of <laughs> you know various <laughs> people you associate with. I don't want to go into too much detail. <laughs> but you know a lot of people in ill health. Yeah, little germ factories. Yeah. So <laughs> for once it was me and I apologize. I'll continue apologizing for the next four weeks. Whenever Amanda gets a cold, it's like a four to six week just fucking least, horror show. At least. <laughs> it's I wake up to sounds... <laughs> that that Lovecraft couldn't fucking imagine. <laughs> I I blame my dad, like, because I remember as a kid, like, he would just like every morning, first hour of his day, so it, it would still be going on as I would leave to get on the bus to go to school, just <laughs> and and it, it just. <laughs> Here's a note on mic technique. As somebody who was a professional broadcaster, if you're going to hork for sound effects uh, for, during broadcast, just. Back off the mic just a little bit. Just, just so I wasn't supposed to deep throat it like that. Um, not for the public <laughs> consumption, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, if you're gonna make a terrible sound, just sort of back away, just a little ways. Okay. You know, maybe get a little off center. <laughs> these are these are good microphones in a particular area. If you move out of them, the sound of your ad noise exploding through your fucking skull does not necessarily go out into the general public. Okay, duly nod. I I would like to apologize to the general listening public, but that's oh, what my dad sounded oh, like. Oh, they're deaf now. <laughs> They can't hear a goddamn thing. I, I I grew up with that. That's what I get to listen to. I'm just Barely. gonna I'm gonna keep my left hand on your <laughs> mute button just in case. Just okay. to be on the safe side. <laughs> so yeah, we apologize for the uh unexpected, completely unexpected absence last week. Um one thing I do wanna give a shout out for, uh when we did our last show, we we mentioned, yeah, we're not gonna be able to get into Comic Con, uh, San Diego Comic Con. So he asked, yeah, if listeners knew about any uh, regional conventions. And we did get a few solid suggestions. Um, most of them, it's a similar situation due to prior commitments, work commitments. We're not going to be able to do it. Uh, we did have one listener, uh, M.A. Pendragon, mm. uh, make a suggestion that we, uh, I don't want to announce it just in case it doesn't work out, but it is something that we're looking into. Uh, and it's one that we thought was on a pre, was on a different weekend. It was previously. This year, it looks like something we might be able to make. So yes, thank you for that. And, 
certainly we haven't locked anything down. So yeah, if you're listening and you know about a cool regional convention, you know, yeah, let us know. Crisis on Infinite Midlives at gmail.com. Yes. Because, yeah, all that San Diego money, we're just going to piss it away on beer. Otherwise. <laughs> and sinus medication. Oh, that's not pissing it away. I, I need that. <laughs> I need that to sleep. <laughs> I'm going to take three or four Tylenol PM just to make it through the night. <laughs> I mean, the cat looks at you ensconced, going, why are you making those sounds? Are you dying? No, it's it sounds like something an oil pump should make when it's in a state of <laughs> uh, in a failure state. <laughs> I, I love you. You terrify me sometimes. <laughs> All right. So, any other uh, bits of apologies, business, terrible biological sounds before we get into the show we meant to do last I'm week? Going to try to avoid making terrible biological sounds. It's too late again. It's okay. it's it's too late. I feel another cough coming on. Just a heads up. Okay, just a <coughs> there. See, just give me a high sign. I'm able to get on the mute button. There it works out for everybody. All right. So you just want to get into into this week's show? Let's do this. Well, while it's still fresh in our mind, we. Sure. We watched them as they came out, and today we did a savage six-hour burn of the X-Files reunion, X-Files season 10. And the, um, no, season 10 was a, an actual thing. This is X-Files, uh, what do they call it? It's got some sort of title. No, I oh, think... Reopened. That's what it's called. X-Files Reopened. See, uh, hold on a second. Season I... 10 was the one with Liquid Metal Guy. Well, hold on. And Reyes. Now I got to look it up on the computer. <laughs> no, I'm right on this. Well, you're you're probably right because one of the thing I was gonna was gonna get to. Uh, no, see, the internet says it's fucking season ten. Eh. Season nine was in two thousand two. Season ten started. Yeah, this is season ten. You're the one who's supposed to know the X Files. I've also been sick. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll cop to that. It's <laughs> all right. So yeah, this is season ten, at least according to the internet. I went into this. I'm not the world's biggest X Files fan. It's not because I have anything against the show, and I think I've talked about this before. Uh, I don't have anything against the show, but in the 90s when it debuted, you know, I was starting to do stand-up comedy. So on Fridays, I was out doing shows. And this is in the pre-DVR days. And certainly while I'm technically adept enough to program a VCR, I'm lazy enough to not to want to have to gone through that hell. Whereas I was living in um, a small city with no car and uh, very little access to public transportation. So on Friday nights, I had no life and I was home. And this this was an exciting thing that I got to watch weekly. And it, it was that was the case for a lot of people. You know, believe me, not everybody could have the glamorous life that I had in, say, 1994 <laughs> to drive 200 miles to the back room of a Chinese restaurant to tell cock jokes to four people no, for no money. <laughs> But, you know, it was a dream and I was living it. So, <laughs> but, yeah, so I I really had not seen very much of it at all. Uh, I had seen both the movies when the first one came out. Uh, I went with a friend who was into the show. I said, fine, I'll go with you. I had no idea what was going on. But, fine, I watched it. There was black goo. Yeah. Very yeah. similar to what I imagine comes out of your head in the morning, Amanda. No, well, maybe. And at least darkish. <coughs> See, you didn't give me the high sign. It's gonna be a tough Sorry. show. When you see show. me start to like go to the side, that's probably a good sign. It, it's too fucking late by that <laughs> point. You no, know, that that's like seeing the red dot on your chest. You're dead already. <laughs> it's just you haven't had the good sense to fall down yet. Got it. Got it. So yeah, I, I saw the first movie with a friend. You and I went to see uh, X Files. I want to believe. Yep. Uh, which was the 2009 movie mm -hmm. that uh, I think we were the only two people who saw in the theater. Very possibly. Uh, we had to wait in line, but it turns out uh, the rest of the people were going to see The Dark Knight. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so I, I'd seen that, and 
otherwise, my main immersion in the show was when we first moved to the all new, all different Crisis on Infinite <laughs> Midlife's home office. The first three or four weeks we were here, we couldn't get cable hooked up. Uh, we barely had any machinery hooked up, but we got one of the TVs and a DVD player going, the Xbox actually. Yeah. Uh, in the office <laughs> and so all we had for entertainment after we unpacked for three hours and we got home was we i bought you several years ago for christmas yep. the complete x file set because you really like the show i do and it was really sucking up space on the tivo so i'm like oh here you go <laughs> uh, i've got to get my robot chicken i require space for this so so yeah we watched i think we got through like two seasons we definitely got through the first season and into season two yeah. i'm not sure we got all the way through it but we might have, but so yeah, that was four months ago. And that, so that means I've had one viewing of each of the episodes of the first two seasons, uh, most of them drunk <laughs> and the two movies. That's, that was the entirety of my being versed in the show before this shortened six episode season. And they really did treat it like a new season. They used the same intro that they always used in the original ones. Yeah. You know, including the original, oh, God, they're just children, <laughs> FBI, uh, Badges, ID pictures. Yeah. Even Skinner, I'm like, you, but get off my fucking lawn, <laughs> Deputy Director Skinner. Sure, you're bald, but you're still too young. Yeah. Too young. <laughs> so they really tried to make it feel like, yep, it's just another season, even though it really was yeah. anything but. But yeah, so... Your background, did you watch it all the way through? I, I, I did. I know when I you and I first were hanging out, you tried to introduce me to the last season. And all it I remember. It had gone so far beyond the pale by the time it finally like limped off the air. Uh, it was. Yeah. All I remember is, yeah, it was Liquid Metal Guy from Terminator 2. Yeah. And to this day. Annabeth it, Gish as uh, Monica Reyes. Okay. Because in all my notes, even to this day, after, as we were watching today, it's, I have her as not Scully. That's, <laughs> that's all I know her as. That's about right. Yeah, it's not liquid Scully. metal guy and not Scully <laughs> fighting the man. And, and I, I believe I would get drunk and read comic books. I, yeah, I paid no attention to it. So with that background, what was your sort of overall impression? Before we get into any details, how did you sort of feel about the the? Was it a decent season of X Files, even though it was only six episodes? There there were moments that were quite astounding and and awesome, and made me miss the show when it was good in its heyday. And then there were also moments that are just like, guys, didn't you learn when you made the two sucky movies that <laughs> that you can just go too far and 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 real? You need to edit yourself and reel it in. You, you'd think Chris Carter would remember because I think that's the last thing he did was yeah. Smiles. I want to believe. Yeah. Um, and the movies were so bad. Uh, <laughs> I I saw each of them once in the theater. And the only reason I really remember seeing the second one is because uh, I was just going through the files on my computer. I, I wrote jokes about it. I was yeah. out of stand-up at that point, but I wrote jokes. <laughs> so I've got this whole like page and a half <laughs> of jokes. That's really the only way, like therapeutically, I think that you could cope with the movie. Pretty much. <laughs> and I had a joke about you know having to go out for a cigarette and going back in, and it's like, oh, here's this plot point. Should we explain it to Rodrigo? No, don't worry. He'll <laughs> he'll pick it up on cable. <laughs> I mean, and it, and it and it kicked off like right after the Super Bowl, so you had to stay up, and it was it was long, the 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 pilot episode of of this new season. That that's the one we didn't watch today, and this is not a stellar endorsement for the show. We went out to dinner last night, and so that I could share my germs with others. Yeah, well, you're you're a giver. I am. <laughs> I give back. You, you fucking gave it to everybody. I did. <laughs> you 
fucking giving it to people. <laughs> but we went out to dinner and came home. We were not out late. We were home by 7 30, 8 yeah. o'clock. Yep. And said, All right, let's put on the put on the X Files. And yeah, we put on the first episode, and I think I was mostly asleep by the end of the first episode. Yeah. Uh, we started the first one, and you went to the bathroom and came back, and I think you were shaking me awake. Go to bed. Just go to bed. <laughs> and yeah, last night's notes, uh, somewhat drunkenly, are a little hard to read. Uh, yeah. One of them uh, in large letters is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first episode, just totally, it wasn't entirely sure what it wanted to be, and it brought in all of the worst like conspiracy theory stuff that, that Mulder flirted with in the previous several seasons that made him not sympathetic and yet had difficulty buying into his character. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk in too much detail, particularly about the first and last episodes, okay. because if there is not just an Achilles heel, an Achilles whole back of the leg, Achilles, <laughs> you can't possibly, if you want to knock Achilles down, you almost can't miss. <laughs> it's the first and last episodes yeah. of this season. They're significantly flawed. Sort of in general, for me coming to this overall season, as somebody, okay, I've got some understanding of X-Files, but certainly not nearly all the mythology at all, or a couple of seasons and a couple of movies, I thought it was a decent, up to a point, a decent introduction, reintroduction for people who don't really know the show. The the Monster of the Week episodes that they yeah. bookended that, for the most part, didn't have a hell of a lot of shared mythology. There was, there was some in each one of them, which I will get to all this <laughs> in a minute, was the weakest part of it. But yeah, those were decent introductions to the characters and sort yeah. of how the show is formatted. One of those episodes, the third one, Mulder and Scully uh, meet the Were Monster, was that show, that episode was awesome on its own. Yeah. That was a blast. It was worth the cost of admission almost entirely. The The rest of it could have been Mulder going, you can't handle the truth. Well, all right. There was at least that third episode. That was okay. <laughs> Another couple of those middle ones were pretty good if they, if not pretty flawed in their own ways. Uh, but yeah, it is just bookended by <coughs> complete nutter. <laughs> Mike technique. We're going <laughs> to uh, I'm going to tell you what my program director we'll, we'll we'll go over the program director class that I went through. Oh Christ. Are you air station. check me. Don't air check me. No, for Christ's sake, we'll put you through that. But <laughs> that's not the point. But but yeah, it's uh, these not bad. You know, okay, if I've never seen the X-Files, I, I get what this is about. Maybe I want to get back it. Maybe I want to see more of it. It's just bookended by such legitimate shit. <laughs> the first and last episodes are crap, and they're crap in very specific, irritating ways to, to the point where halfway, two-thirds of the way through the sixth episode, I figured out why Chris Carter has never had another hit. Mm. Uh, I'll talk about that when we talk about okay. those. I think I figured out his grift, ah. why this one thing <laughs> works, and it <laughs> it's the only... I'll get to that. Okay. I don't want to... God, you're flailing. I'm... I'm how do you feel? I'm angry. I'm angry by angry? the first and last episodes because there were there was some really good stuff in those middle ones. There was stuff that really worked and almost all of it fell apart at the start and the beginning. Okay. Because I remember when we, yeah, we watched that first one right after the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and I, I, I sort of came away from it going, ooh, that was, I'm going to have to watch that again. That wasn't good. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. What did I just see? Oh. I think you reacted the way uh, friend of the show Trebuchet and I acted <laughs> as he talked about in our Star Wars episode when we walked out of the Phantom Menace because we loved Star Wars. <laughs> so was that good? Do we like that? And so <laughs> you probably had a similar reaction yeah. because you were into the X Files. Yeah, but. <laughs> But, but I was relieved because the second one was objectively better than than the first episode. So I'm like, all right, so it's just just finding its footing. It's just finding its footing. And then you know the wear monster one. Oh yeah, okay, all right, all right. And then and then we had like the trash man one. I was like, ah, anything with Scully's family historically and canonically has really dragged the show down. Okay. So and then we have the two mini me episodes. So I was like, mini me episodes. <laughs> That that's a good one. I, I went with uh, X Files Two Stem Cell Boogaloo, but uh, Mini Me episodes also works. <laughs> but uh, all right, so in general, what are the things that that worked for you? Um, because it, why don't you start? Because I would go straight to the third episode. I, I thought it started to get better with the second episode. Uh, the second episode was was still sort of mired in that. Um, you know, conspiracy crap, but then um, they were looking for, what was it? The title was Founder's Mutation. Thank you. Okay, yeah. So Founders they were Mut- looking for they- whoever killed Dr. <laughs> that was the weakest part of the episode. We've got Dr. Sanjay and his friend Gupta. It's like, really? <laughs> this is where we're going? Yeah, they what didn't are really we gonna- put a lot of thought into the names there. What are we but- going to have in the <laughs> in season 11? Uh, hi, I'm, uh, I'm Dr. Phil Oz. <laughs> put some thought into these fucking names, people. But, Jesus. I mean... It- they were looking for, you know, what it was that killed this guy. And so there's, you know, clearly somebody out there with like a weird psychic power, which gets into like some of the older school ones from the early seasons. Yep. Um, it dealt with the government conspiracy stuff without being as heavy handed as the first episode. Um, okay. So we've got a guy who's basically farming kids so that he can put genetic mutations into them and and see what that that does for national security so the department of defense is involved (laughs) you're okay over there i'm I'm all right it's i'm with you keep going so you know it it turns out yeah there's there's a a girl with special powers which makes you wonder you know how much molder might be relating this to stuff with his sister although that doesn't come up directly did his sister have superpowers? Uh, his sister was. I thought, it, I thought her superpower was invisibility. Like we saw her <laughs> picked up in like the pilot and never saw her again. She was she was abducted and and I believe she comes back in some episode. But then there's some questions about whether or not she's like really the sister. Um, but definitely has had experiences with aliens at this point. And see, you'd think they'd do a DNA sequencing because based on this series, not only is it easy to do as DNA sequencing. <laughs> it's so easy that you can forget how to do it in between episodes. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> I I just overall was like, all right, this is this is a market improvement over the pilot. So, you know, maybe like again, they're getting their footing back. The third one was clearly just a love letter to the show. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, well, you found that more than I did. And you have found a ton of Easter eggs that I had no yeah, idea Yeah, and there's a about. whole article, several articles on the internet um, looking over the, the various Easter eggs in that episode. And I gather um, that Darren Morgan, who wrote the episode and directed the episode, um, based it on an unused script that he wrote for Kolchak, uh, the Night Stalker. And the Were Monster is actually dressed up as Kolchak, like that outfit. <laughs> 
which I didn't notice until, yeah, you sent me a link to some of the Easter eggs. And try and remind me to put that in the, the show notes. I'll probably forget, in which case, it, you can Google it. I found it pretty fast with Google <laughs> when I needed it. Uh, but there's all sorts of stuff in there. The, um, there's a scene in, the, in a graveyard, and uh, two of the gravestones uh, reflect names of people that have been on the staff. Kim Manners, who was a longtime director okay. of, of many of the episodes, like 52 of the episodes or something. And... Uh, the other one whose name escapes me also was an assistant director on some of the Lone Gunmen and the movie. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and no, just, apparently, <laughs> yeah, Mulder was wearing red Speedos at one point. And apparently that was a callback to something. Yeah, it, it, it blew up the early internet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get that ASCII code downloaded. I think he's wearing red Speedos. <laughs> Put... Two exclamation points between his legs. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, that one was just so much fun. And and one of the things also that I, I saw after the pilot was Duchovny, perhaps realizing how inconsistent the scripts were going to be, <laughs> um, just started to play up the sense of humor that he became known for in the early series. That was just dry and kind of self-deprecating. <laughs> yeah, funny Mulder throughout this season was one of the high points. Yeah. And there was precious, there was some of that in the first and last episode of the season. But yeah, throughout the others, because yeah, you forget in the first season, he was you know really pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, funny Mulder was a high point of, of this for me. And yeah, yeah I, I don't know whether it was like, shit, man, I'm getting my paycheck. I may as well have fun with it. Right, right. <laughs> Um, Jillian Anderson, I think her, her acting chops have improved significantly from when she was on the X-Files early to, to now. So that, she was quite pleasant to watch throughout this series. Um, <laughs> to be fair, she was quite pleasant to watch in the early days. <laughs> I didn't know about acting. <laughs> I'm not certain she had a head. Well, good on you. Um, <laughs> I apologize for that. <laughs> but I think, I think her character has, has gone in some ways through the most growth and become the most complex because she came into it the skeptic and had so many things happen to her that for her to continue to have been the skeptic would have been challenging. <laughs> but she she seemed to be facing the events that they had to overcome with a, a broader perspective. Definitely a broader perspective. Uh, I, I think they sold the character right down the fucking tubes in the six. <laughs> Again, I don't want to... I want to close up with the first and last one because they really fucking pissed me off to the point where they almost ruined the experience for me. Yeah, and that's just it. Like, so as things were starting to get better, um, even up through like the fifth episode where they introduced the Minimis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Robbie Amell as Agent Miller and Lauren Ambrose as Agent Einstein. <laughs> because why not? Because why not? <laughs> um, who, who are, you know, respectively, um, somebody who wants to believe and a medical, medical doctor working together apropos of nothing. <laughs> who have the same physical characteristics. And uh, yeah, it's like I said, it, to me, that was their introduction. Up to a point was a stealth pilot for yeah. All right, well, what if we want to go on with this and we can't get Duchovny and Anderson to do pretty it again? Pretty much, pretty much. I liked that episode that that they appeared in, insofar as early Dana Scully would never have reached out to Agent Miller to try to come up with an alternate way to communicate with a 
comatose bedbound vegetable. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, granted, the way that she reached out was in a purely scientific basis, but I, I can understand why she would call him. Yeah. She wanted the D. <laughs> you just want to suck the joy out of everything. I'm a terrible person. You really are. I mean, no. She, no, that's not what it was. Spoilers was still in mourning about her mother, who had been in a vegetative state before she died. Yeah, it's probably a good time to throw in, as we normally do. Look, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, we're just going to spoil everything. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you're holding out for that X-Files Season 10 DVD <laughs> set to catch up, uh, yeah, you're going to want to skip ahead <laughs> to when we talk about the comics. The chemistry actually between Duchovny and Ambrose, Mulder interacting with, with Agent Einstein was stellar. That they were hysterical. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and the trip that Duchovny goes on, cause he's like, I, I can communicate with this person. Just give me a whole bunch of mushrooms. Absolutely. As one does. Psilocybin. <laughs> Psilocybin, we'll talk to the dead, we'll talk to the walls, we'll talk to strangers. <laughs> talk to my hand. Yeah. Uh, that that was spectacular, and he was clearly having such fun oh, yeah. doing it. One thing I didn't like about that sequence, and it's something that popped up two or three times in, in this season, the GoPro footage showing reverse point of view of the character who's be you know stick the gopro so you can watch them walk around and look at their face while they walk around that was state-of-the-art and really interesting cinematography maybe six or seven years ago yeah it's kind of been done to death if it's in almost every television commercial in the world <laughs> i don't need to see it next five it doesn't add anything to it it's except that do company makes like just excellent goofy faces <laughs> he does and this is the one place where that point of view kind of made some sense but they did it again when Dana had learned about her mother, following her down the stairs, showing she's distraught. It's yeah. like, no, that, this is just gimmicky shit to fill space. Uh, this is not necessary. I don't need to see it anywhere anymore <laughs> at this point. It was you know, kind of cool. Like I said, six or seven years ago, wow, I've never seen anything like this. Well, GoPro cameras are $50 now. You know, you, you can't. You can't get shit-faced and faceplant while you have YouTube open and not have a video open up with that shit. True. You know, it's like drone footage of, you know, oh, we're just at eye level and we shoot straight up into the sky. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool a few <laughs> years ago. I can go to Staples and buy a fucking camera drone. <laughs> you're not giving me anything I can't do myself. That's true. If you're shooting shit I can do at home, you're failing. <laughs> <laughs> I liked more of this six-episode run in retrospect, having watched it all, to get, all together in a chunk, than I didn't. Because I... After the the finale, which um, yeah is problematic on on a number of fronts. <laughs> Just... If by problematic you mean fucking awful and filled with terrible writing and fucking writing and directorial hubris, <laughs> fucking awful is what it was. <laughs> I liked more of of this reboot or reopening than I didn't, but. The choices they made in the pilot and the finale are such that it makes it hard to recommend this new run other than the Wear Monster episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I've got my notes here as to, to what worked unabashedly without reservation, if you've ever even heard about the X-Files and said, oh, that sounds like a remotely fun concept. Uh, yeah, grab it on Hulu or however you have to. That one episode, even if that's the entirety that you care about, you'll have fun with that one. If there is an objectively good and right and fun episode out of this, whether you know anything about the X-Files or not, this is it. 
because I, I put down what I liked about it. Number one, rampant substance abuse <laughs> everywhere throughout the episode. We open with two paint huffers. And yep. not like, you know, subtle, you know, oh, I no, the, like they've got a golden face and a reverse Batman cowl of yep. just huffing on spray paint. Just glory. <laughs> and I think in the article you said one of them was uh, Tyler Labine yep. who was uh, Sock on, on, Reaver. Uh, on Reaver. No, no, Reaper. Reaper, yeah. No, Reaver. Reaver, uh, <laughs> Reaver killed Wash. Right. Right. Damn yes. It. <laughs> uh, apparently there were characters uh, on some earlier episodes, and this is like a... A redo of these two yes. paint huffers. They showed up in uh, season three. So yeah, it they're not just characters for the recreational propellant <laughs> enthusiast. <laughs> X Files fans can get something from their degeneracy as well. Exactly works for everybody. We got a, a hotel owner who drinks fucking rubbing alcohol. The <laughs> uh, Reese Darby drinks bourbon. We find out Mulder's just fucking carrying a bottle. <laughs> Because clearly in this case, yeah, you probably want to have your bourbon with you. There are crack-smoking transsexual hookers. It really covers the entire base of... Transgendered. Transgendered. Uh, is that the term? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to piss anybody off. No, I thought no, just... Transgendered. Yep. Okay. Yep. I fucked it up. I'm... It's all right. Either way, they smoke crack. And this is about substance abuse. <laughs> you know, really any walk of life who smokes crack fits into this category. I'm okay. not trying to offend anybody. <laughs> I didn't mean to derail your rant. It's it's not hard to do. <laughs> but now I'm derailed. <laughs> Crack smoking. Crack smoking, yes. So we've got all the major substance abuses covered. Uh, the monster himself, Reese Darby, he's delightful. <laughs> I mean, just the whole concept of he's a prehistoric monster who gets bitten by a human. So the were monster is he's doomed by the light of day. <laughs> To turn into a suburban middle class white man, that's fucking funny. That's that manages a cell phone store. Yeah, it's <laughs> he his his dark compulsions are to get a job and bullshit about his sex life. I mean, that's <laughs> that's good shit. Yeah, that's really clever. I mean, his pseudonym alone. What, what's your name, Guy Man? <laughs> I fucking love that. Uh, and, and yeah, through the whole episode, this is one where Scully and Mulder seem like they're having fun. Right yeah. from the very beginning, you know, from Mulder saying, oh, my God, everything I always believed was a lie. All these old cases I've been going through, everything can be can be explained by, oh, it's a prank. Oh, it's a natural phenomenon. I don't believe in monsters anymore. And Scully says, we've got a new case. It's got a monster. In it. <laughs> <laughs> the serial killer stuff, too. Like when, when they get out to the scene and, and uh, Scully starts to sort of make some profiling comments and he's like, ah. I gave up profiling long before I gave up hunting monsters. You see one serial killer, you see them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So even in the darkest parts, there's still a sense of humor to it. Uh, but it's also, it's, it's a, a dark truth because he was the, the FBI's top profiler and, and a, a bright star that everybody was hoping for the best. And he gave it up so he could start to do the X-Files. What a retard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, he, it's it's a funny line, but it's also the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, hey, I, I I remember that from watching it a few a few months ago. Yeah, uh, I had not thought about it <laughs> since that you mentioned it, but yeah, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, and then the moment where he finally gets excited excited again, it's like, no, I think it's a monster, and here's why I think it. And Scully's like, yeah, this is how I like my Mulder, and he's like, you believe me? He's like, no, you're bat crap crazy. It's like, okay. <laughs> 
Now, and at one point she flat out says, I'd forgotten how much fun these cases can be. So it, it wears on its sleeve what it's trying to be. And it's legitimately fun yeah. all the way through. So if they'd all been like this, I'd be in front of the line screaming that I want more of it. The but then? <laughs> well, the other monster of the week ones, still generally solid. And you're right. Sitting and watching them all in a row, I liked it better than when we tried to pick them off week by week. I think more than half of them, I said, this is not working. I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. Or more accurately, my liver's not working. I have to go to bed. <laughs> but either way, it wasn't enough to keep me awake. Yeah. So it worked better in this kind of viewing. But even then, the other ones had their own problems. And I I got notes on, uh, yeah, the one you were talking about, Babylon, with with Lil X-Files. Mini-me's. <laughs> now I want Scotty Young to draw Agent Einstein and Agent Miller. <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> well, we all know that all producers and movers and shakers listen to yes. this show. So, Scotty, get on that. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> But yeah, it those they were all right. They were cool. It's uh, okay. Uh, younger versions. I, I thought they were reasonably well acted. I did like, like I said, the the mushroom trip. Oh god, that was so because not only was it fun, it gave us an excuse. That was our cameo for the lone gunman. Yep. I think this would have had a problem as a series if they didn't at least show up. So fine, this was the excuse to get him in. Yep. And I always liked them. I've seen a few of the episodes that had them, and I think I watched most of their. Uh, individual show when it was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe my, I I know there was one that was supposed to be a plane hit hit a building. Yeah, they may have pulled that off the air given the timing. Yeah, yeah. but I know I saw a few of them. And I, I always liked those as characters. But the only like cameo that was missing from that that mushroom scene was if they could have found a way to slip Richard Belzer in there. <laughs> Didn't Bel? He just did the one episode. Yeah, uh, where he was. Munch. Yeah, and I don't think I ever even saw that one. I'll, I'll find that for you. It's going to be in the box set upstairs. Well, the box set has, I think, everything. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, it's, uh, that one. Yeah, where Mulder woke up and uh, from the trip, and he's like, "Oh, I'm still baked from this," and founds out uh, no, it was just niacin pills yeah. she gave him. <laughs> which reminds me, I got to go buy some fucking niacin pills. It <laughs> looks like it's all right. But uh, and I, I like Scully finally got to use Mulder's, I think, from the first episode. There's nobody down here but the FBI's most unwanted. Yeah. Wasn't that from the pilot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he says, you know, how'd that feel? It's like, pretty great. I've been waiting like 20-something years to use that line. <laughs> but yeah, it's so all that stuff worked. And there were various other things in some of the Monster of the Week episodes that that worked for me. Where it started to fall down, and it feels weird to say this about the X-Files, given its reputation, because again, I'm going mostly by reputation, but anything tied to the greater mythology fell flat to me, almost exclusively. Well, because they were, they went out of their way after apparently nine seasons um, of the show. You know, the truth is out there, and we're being interfered with by by aliens. To say no, really, we just had the one piece of contact that we're going to cop to, and it's all been the government fucking with you this whole time just seems like such a giant disservice to everything they were trying to set up for n- nine seasons prior to this six-episode run. Now, what was supposed to be the one point of legitimate contact? In in the pilot for this new series. Oh, okay. Where they show the uh, saucer crashing, the alien trying to get away, and then being shot dead by the army, and then the doctor who is... Uh, Mulder's sort of deep throat that we see once. <laughs> right. Who says he's the one that did the, 
initial surgeries that got the alien DNA for the government to then work with. Yeah. And can I say that the doctor who's the deep throat, because deep throat's exactly the right thing, because this doctor is yet another one that I know there was... There was what Deep Throat in the first season, and then Mister X in uh in other seasons. Yep. There are other kinds of whistleblowers in the world besides <laughs> the guy who was Deep Throat for Woodward and Bernstein. True. You know the whole. But that seems all, like an easier like shorthand than coming it, up with something else. It's not an easier shorthand. It's an easier way to give out dribs and drabs of fucking story without having to cut to the chase. Yeah. And I think that's a piece of Chris Carter's whole grift. Ah. It's, there's more to it. Ah. But that's a piece of it. It's like, shit, how can I drag this out to 22 episodes? I got one idea, <laughs> and I got to get to May with it. <laughs> and that's one of them. You know, but they, he name checks Edward Snowden in this. Snowden wasn't like, oh, you tell me things and I'll confirm. No, he vomited documents <laughs> under the internet. There are various types yeah. of whistleblowers in the world. They aren't all, ooh, yeah, I'll meet true. you in the garage. <laughs> we'll meet next to where the blowjobs are being sold. Jesus. And the heroin's being <laughs> consumed. And you ask me questions. And if I don't snort a terrible biological sound, <laughs> are you deep throat? I am not. <laughs> Tell me about it. Hey, oh. <laughs> Oh, that was, that was uncalled, uncalled for. for. <laughs> that was uncalled for. I, I, uh, I'm a bunch of a holes. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I dropped the cat on your head, Lunar tonight. Oh, <laughs> is that a euphemism? Hey, no. no. <laughs> uh, that, that would be not nice to the cat. There's so. a lot of alcohol in this Baxter Brewing Company IPA. Oh, sure, it's blame a, the beer. It's a fine new beer that <laughs> I've been having. But all right, back to the point. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? I don't know. Mythology. Shit. <laughs> Shit. I was making terrible double entendre. Yes. And talking about mythology. Yes. So, so the stuff that you didn't you didn't think worked related to the the greater mythology of the show. Yeah, and the biggest one that kept popping up even in the Monster of the Week episodes was William. Yes. Fucking William. I don't fucking care about William. Nor should I, you. <laughs> I was aware that somewhere along the line Scully had a kid. Now what I thought it was was that it was an alien kid. Well, that's sort of the implication. Is because she had been experimented on. The baby was in some way a hybrid. See, I thought it was just, and again, this is from not having seen the whole thing, walking into this without any idea what was going on. I thought she was impregnated with an alien and then aliens came back and took it from her. That's that's all I knew. It turns out, okay, it's it's also Mulder's kid. That's fine. I, I didn't know that walking into this. I Googled it later. Uh, and apparently, yeah, this whole I'm pregnant thing was like season seven, season eight. Yeah. And the first thing as I'm watching this, I keep hearing about <laughs> William is I don't think I heard about him in either of the movies anyway. Well, and, and by the time season seven, eight's running around, rolling around, like we're seeing less and less of Mulder. Like Duchovny was trying to find other shit to do. So we have pregnant Scully bemoaning the fact that Mulder, who she's now finally fallen in love with because they they went there, <laughs> is nowhere to be found, and she's pregnant and alone. <laughs> yeah, and in the meantime, we got Liquid Metal Guy and not Scully running around while Duchovny's thinking Evolution's going to make him a fucking movie star. Yeah. So, but yeah, I hadn't the I hadn't seen that the movie took place. And I googled this between seasons five and six, so they wouldn't have mentioned the kids. So that's why right. I didn't hear about it there. I don't remember. Men, having the kid mentioned in X-Files, I want to believe, I did Google it, and apparently they at least mentioned his name one time, but he's not a major part of that plot. No. 
Yeah, and I walk. So I walk into this, and suddenly William is the most fucking important thing in everyone's life. Through episode after episode after episode, it's the great lost opportunity. It's the only thing anybody thinks about, and the reason for that is he's a plot Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, but again, we'll talk about. Well, there's also it feels like I I read a, an article in Rolling Stone with Chris Carter. It feels like he's using this six episode run to kind of just work some shit out in his own head around uh, science and man and God and. <laughs> And, you know, okay, I realize you get to a certain point where you realize, you know, you, you, your kids are everything. And, and what if we screw up this great responsibility that we've, we've been given? That's fine. Work that shit out on your own time, man. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Get a fucking priest. I had a life to lead. This is six hours of my fucking life. You work shit out in my living room? Fuck you, man. I got shit to do. Particularly with that last episode. Oh, really? You're working shit out? Clearly you got more shit you want to work out on my fucking dime. Fuck you. I'm an alcoholic. Sorry about that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Rob, he'll be here all week. Now, put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before our eyes. Gonna work shit out of my television. I, I see a vein shit. beginning to kind of throb. You're gonna give yourself an aneurysm. Oh, God, that pisses <laughs> me off so much. Which reminds me, the thing that bothered me about, as much as I enjoyed the second episode over the first one, when they got to, like, the Wonder Twins there at the end, <laughs> they finally Ugh. found each other and their psychic powers. Oh, that was so bad. I was just, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. I like this one. It was ex- Escape to Witch Mountain. <laughs> See, the, <laughs> the problem I had, you brought up the second episode, and I did like that better than the first. Yeah. Because I almost had to. Because there was almost nothing worse than the first episode <laughs> of this season. Uh, there's so much of it was derivative. Mm. You know, you've got the whole... Uh, there's a scientist and he's got these kids and he's trying to bring their secret powers out. Um, so it, it, but it's, it's like Stephen King's Firestarter and the Elephant Man made sweet, angry love together. And this is what came out. Cause yeah. you've got the whole government experiment, but there's also sort of this Professor X analog mm-hmm. and he's trying to create mutants. And <laughs> some of them have cool powers. Like they can, you know, flip shit off a cart. The others are literally just melting in their own room. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like. Yeah, Professor X is trying to create mutants, but instead of Scott Summers, he gets the Elephant Man. Yeah, which is still like, better. It's still better than getting Scott Summers. Yeah, but <laughs> so yeah, Cyclops. there's oh. so yeah, there's a whole Firestarter Lot Six slash X Men vibe going on, and then yeah, this one kid with his powers. Every time he uses them, crows show up outside the window, and that kind of thing. That's straight out of the Dark Half yeah. by Stephen King. <laughs> uh, not to mention the fucking birds, and then yeah, the the two twins whose powers don't fully go full on until they actually touch hands. It's like the Wonder Twins, only shitty. <laughs> it's like the Wonder Twin powers activate, form of a massive fucking cranial bleed. Yeah. That's form a, of an aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> so so th- it was a better episode than the first, but it was heavily derivative on a lot of things. And that kept sucking me out of the episode. That's understandable. I, I liked it, I think, because I was just relieved that it was better than the first episode. And and I can see that the same way I was relieved that Attack of the Clones was better than Phantom Menace. <laughs> Didn't make it good. Wow. It's, <laughs> we, we will get into detail on the beginning and the end of the season okay. very shortly. So you liked episode three because of the rampant substance abuse. Should exactly. we get back to that? Or did you have other things you wanted to say? Well, it's... 
Now we're into the stuff that doesn't. I've, okay. I've talked about the things I think worked overall. Okay. And look, rampant substance abuse to me is funny. I grew up on John <laughs> Belushi. There you go. Uh, so that's that's just going to happen. But yeah, it's and I'm just looking at my note. Yeah, back to William. The second episode is when he started popping up. And I can see why that's the point where he popped up, kind of. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, okay, we're seeing kids being exploited. But yeah, that's uh, we've got... Scully and Mulder, they both have visions of the little prick growing up with them. And he's inevitably fucked over by the little green men. <laughs> still these long fantasy sequences. Yeah. Uh, and I get that, yeah, this could be the precipitating event that could cause them to start thinking about it. But to me, it would have been more effective if you're going to make this missing kid, th- this important deal. Do it in episode four where uh, where Scully's mom's dying words are, are about the little bastard. Yeah. Before I get into that as an aside, again, I'm just going on my notes here. This is the episode where having a reputation for long-term continuity is going to bite you in the ass. Mm -hmm. Because the biggest problem I had watching episode four was that both William and Scully's mom are major parts of the episode. And we keep hearing about this brother, Charlie, Mm -hmm. who's out somewhere. And we find out that Scully's mom changed her living will to pull her off life support. And they made a very big point about, oh, no, she changed her will uh, in the uh, witnessed by two naval officers. And, and okay, I get that these characters have history, and I'm figuring out these things must be important. There must be stuff that I haven't seen before. And I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop on all the – how's it – and nothing ever fucking happens. Yeah. She just mentions William's name and drops fucking dead. Right. It, just, it never did. And ultimately, yeah, William is only there to resolve shit at the last minute in the final episode. Yeah. But – the final line of episode four, where Scully is trying to deal with her mother dying and that these were her dying words and dealing with the fact that she gave up this kid and the subplot of the people being shuttled around like they're trash. This is the Trash Man episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, that final line of, I, I hope he doesn't think we treated him like trash. That's a powerful line. And that is a perfect place to start talking about this kid. To, to show uh, now here is a specific heartbreaking precipitating event for me to begin to think this way about the child I gave up for adoption. Yeah. But it sucks some of that impact away with, uh, we spent about 10 minutes in the last episode of her imagining dropping him off at school and mutating into an alien. <laughs> it's, it takes something away from it. I, I can see where you'd think that. I, I think what we're, we're seeing is clearly her choice to, put him up for adoption and it was a closed adoption so he'd be safe from whatever crap they're dealing with as as the x-files goes on um i i it made me think about um actually one of the more recent episodes of arrow where (laughs) um where they've got this um son liam i guess yep (laughs) for for oliver and he makes the decision to send his kid away so that he'll be safe. And Diggle has the opposite sort of thought where, you know, actually you keep your kids as close as possible. That way you, you have some control over whether or not they'll be safe because you, you see them every day. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it made me think about that in terms of, you know, for Dana, if she could do it over again, I think she probably wouldn't have sent her son away. I think absolutely based on how this entire season went that's an overarching theme of oh we shouldn't have done this yeah and even that gets ruined at the end of the fucking season (laughs) 
Because all it is is like, oh no, practically if we had his meat here, that's all we need. Yeah, it makes you think about like those those folks that like have babies because they need like pieces parts for their sick child. That's why I'm for cloning. <laughs> I don't I don't want to have a kid because you have to like talk to it and buy it shit. But if I could get myself cloned and keep it in a tank, just sort of floating away, like never conscious, I need spare parts, man. I do not treat myself well. <laughs> like if cloning was made legal and I could have a clone that could be grown to full size and never have any consciousness, I'd start smoking real cigarettes again tomorrow. Jesus. I mean, I'd go out and buy a pack during the show. Jesus. I need the parts. All right. So, but again, it's that's as far as I'll go. I wouldn't have a kid to have parts because I would not be good for a child. <coughs> There's reasons I, I don't have them and have made it clear my entire adult life. Nope. I don't have the temperament. I'm too selfish. These comic books and toys are mine. <laughs> I don't want anybody else touching them. So, I mean, I think they're, given that we are childless, there may be themes there that we're not relating to potentially because we don't have that perspective in our lives. I'm sure. Yeah. And certainly, I am sure if you're somebody who has had a child and has given them up for adoption, that scene was gutting because yeah. it was it was well written and it was certainly well acted. And for me, it was like, yeah, if you start talking about William now, you've got me because there's an emotional component to this that would hook me in. Mm -hmm. But you've shot your wad with just idle fantasies of, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a kid to fire off model rockets with and a, and a kid to quote john fitzgerald kennedy with and a kid to watch abducted like my sister to disappear <laughs> and never be fucking seen again so they yeah they kind of blew their wad with it yeah and then it just became this irritating thing of uh, you know i'm not up on this mythology but i spent two hours in a theater with you when i could have been watching dark knight for the third time and you didn't even mention the kid yeah and frankly i watched an hour after the super bowl we never heard a mention of this kid yep it was only in the second episode on. So it was where it got into the mythology. That's where I had the problems. That, that's valid. That's totally valid. And the mythology, the opening and closing episodes are all about the mythology. Would you like to start talking about those? Or is there anything? No, we can, we can start talking about those because, again, I, I've already said it. The opening and closing episodes went out of their way to practically invalidate everything that the first nine seasons were about. <laughs> Honestly, it, <laughs> They, if you spend all of this time trying to make a case that aliens are out there and and among us and affecting us, to only then turn around and say, "No, psych," it was it's it's been the government the whole time. <laughs> well, see, I didn't I didn't get that from the opening and closing episode. The biggest problem I had with the opening and closing episodes of this series were again coming at this only having seen a couple of seasons and the movies once mm -hmm. was wow, you're really making it very explicitly clear that there are aliens, that this is not a question. This is not a, the truth is out there. That's a, no, the truth is right there. Yeah. It's right the fuck there with this. We created a ship that floats with no energy. See Mulder, you can touch it. The thing that the series opened after a little recap of I'm Fox Mulder and here's my life story for the rubes. Mm -hmm. We went straight to a UFO crashing. <coughs> no, this was not a case of, Oh, is this an experimental aircraft? No, because the little gray guy who got out and started to crawl away, no, they shot him six or eight times. 
he wasn't Russian unless the vodka over there really does a number on you. <laughs> yeah, well, and they bookended it with uh, Scully had her. Hi, I'm Dana Scully, and here's my life story in case you haven't really been paying attention for these last five episodes or the several seasons before this. Oh, yeah, except she uh, then morphed into an alien, which was uh, <laughs> stupid. Yes. It was grotesquely fucking stupid. It was Michael Jackson, black or white video era special effects. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, appropriate for when the show was on, <laughs> but otherwise, meh. Let's start with the, the first biggest problem I had before I even watched the episode. The first and last episodes of this season were called My Struggle. <laughs> My Struggle is the English translation <laughs> of the German Mein Kampf. Yeah. And... I don't care if you're trying to court new fans or old fans. You don't make friends with Hitler. No. It just doesn't happen. No. And the problem is, particularly in the finale, they kept talking about alien DNA, but I kept hearing Aryan DNA. And yeah, with that title, it just I felt icky through the whole fucking thing. <laughs> That's not necessarily Chris Carter's fault. No, but, but he, it's kind of his fault. It, ah, <laughs> yeah. So right out of the gate, it's all right. You're really treading on weird ground for reasons I can't fucking figure out. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest note I wrote shitface last night about halfway through the that first episode was the X in X-Files is for fucking exposition. Because <laughs> it's the first, the, the, these two episodes, they're just chock full of scenes that are like two or three people in a room talking to each other about shit that's happening outside the room. And they keep bringing up the, these outside paranormal events that aren't part of the series that supposedly are things that really happened. Uh, that are supposed to add weight to the weird shit that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And they bring up stuff that happened in earlier episodes of the show that we might or might not know. I generally probably didn't know them, but whatever. And they make these big, ridiculous fucking leaps in logic that only exist to justify the next scene in the plot, the right. next thing that we're going to move to. Yep. Like, here's a case in point. In the, <coughs> in the final episode, Scully sees a dude, he's got this sore or wound on his arm. So then she goes into a room with Agent Einstein, Mini-Me. Oh, uh, in the uh, finale. Okay. Yeah, this is in the finale. She spends three minutes in just a straight up, we're talking shot, reverse shot, switching from one to the other, uh, suddenly come to the realization that if you don't have alien DNA, you're going to die from common diseases. Okay. And she suddenly realizes that that guy I saw, he must have anthrax because the sore was on his upper arm and that's where you get an anthrax vaccine. Everyone gets every shot in their fucking upper arm. <laughs> yeah. Every shot you've ever fucking had after you were two and they stopped giving it to you in the ass. <laughs> it's, you might as well have said, oh, Jesus, he's allergic to vitamin B12. Get away from the vitamin B12. It's a killer. <laughs> but not the niacin. That's a good trip. Not the niacin's a good trip. B12 give you the anthrax. <laughs> so, but it's... This only exists to be like, okay, we're, we're going to have this realization and this talk happen just to move the plot forward. And even in that same conversation, okay, Scully said, and we figured this out in the first episode, oh, I've got alien DNA. I've got alien DNA. That's the only thing that's going to save me. How the fuck do you know if you have alien DNA? I, I don't. I mean, it's a bunch of lines on a piece of paper. We saw it in, in a couple episodes during this season. It's like four letters. It's G-A-T and C, because I saw Gattaca. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like there's like an umlaut or something yeah. in there if you if you've got the alien DNA. Yeah. Fox, I got bad news. Uh, my genetic sequence is Gorf. <laughs> no, it's Gorp. Good old raisins and peanuts. <laughs> Seriously, Fox, I'm growing tits on the back of my neck, and you gotta G help me. 
A T C schwa. You don't get enough good schwa jokes. Really they always don't. come from you. <laughs> You're the only one I know gets a good schwa joke in Thank there you. now again. <laughs> so, all right. So that all happens. And then right after that, Scully gets a call from not Scully. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Robert Patrick's partner. And, and she goes out to meet her and we get another just big scene of exposition explaining how Cancer Man's actually behind everything. And the worst part of that, that, the thing that really bothered me, again, all I know her is not Scully, but I know she was the protagonist of like two seasons of this show. Yeah. She was a hero in the X-Files universe. For any of this storytelling to work, not Scully needs to have sold out to Cancer Man and have been working for him for like 10 years. She was a fucking hero, you know, and now she's a long-term rat. Yeah. And the only reason Chris Carter did this was to have somebody on the inside who we've seen before be able to talk about what Cancer Man's going to do. Right. She sold, he sold out his own character for, for fucking cheap exposition. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, thank God Robert Patrick was smart enough to read the fucking script before he signed <laughs> anything. That when, when Robert Patrick, liquid metal guy, has too much fucking dignity to do your project, Chris Carter. Get better people to do this shit for you. Yeah. We go right from that. And then the <laughs> this is more just a directing scene. This is not a, an expositional thing. We go straight from that to a fight scene. Were you in the room with a fight scene with Mulder and just some dude? Yeah. Supposedly there to collect Mulder for Cancer Man. Who is, uh, who is supposed to be his dad. Mulder's dad? Yeah. That's. What, are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm not. Like the the implication was that Cancer Man fucked his mom, and was friends with his dad, but is actually his biological father, which is why he's had such interest in him over all of these years. Chris Carter, everybody, <laughs> you've got to be shitting me. I'm That's the plot. Yeah. Thank God I stopped before I got to the final season of fucking X Files. <laughs> That's fucking horrible. Well, well, we'll get drunk and watch some of those other other. Oh, we're seasons. gonna have to be drunk. <laughs> I want you to give me the drunk, not drunk line in seasons. Okay. <laughs> I'd say, tell me right now, when, when do I need to be drinking to see X-Files? Probably by about season five. Okay. so I'm already, see, Maybe into season four somewhat. So I'm already about 40% of the way through the good shit. Pretty much. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Motherfuck. What the fuck was I talking? The fight scene. <laughs> so in that fight scene, yeah, this is an exposition thing, that fight scene. The closest we get to like interesting cinematography is it keeps going from regular motion to slow motion to regular yeah. motion, like a fucking Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just want to grab Chris Carter. If the only directing tips you've picked up in 10 years are from the guy who directed Sucker Punch. <laughs> I hate to say that because I'm looking forward to Batman versus Superman. But if that's the case, get better people to do this shit for you. <laughs> And it's, but this kind of thing happens all through the first and second episode. Everything just stops for a couple of people to talk about shit to get to the next point in the plot. Yeah. It's all tell, don't show. And that's when I finally figured out. I told you I would tell you. I figured out the grift. All right. What's the grift? I figured out how Chris Carter has gotten away with shit and why he's never had another hit after okay. X-Files, no matter what he's done. If your plot is always a conspiracy, you always need to have people telling you shit and not showing you stuff. Because it's, it's the nature of a conspiracy. Conspiracies are oral traditions. 
They have to be, because if there was visual proof of the conspiracy, that would do the talking. Right. Instead, what you get in a conspiracy is these disconnected images of, oh, I'll freeze frame and see that dot. Then I'll freeze frame this and I'll see how this thing is coming out of the building. It's all these dis disconnected images with some dude saying, you know, okay, see, this is connected to this this way by this other thing, even though they don't want you to know about it. So in a conspiracy, it has to be people talking about it or it doesn't work because that's that's all we've ever seen with conspiracies. So yeah, it, let's say you've got this idea about a woman who has alien DNA and it, she's the key to all human conspiracies, but you don't know how to get out of it without being like, oh yeah, shit, this actually proves there's aliens. You have Mulder and Jeff Winger spend 10 minutes talking about how she's tied to every fucking conspiracy in the world and how all the conspiracies are eventually buried by the government and caught immediately to her denying everything and go, shit, they got to her. That's all you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> you need to explain why common diseases are killing people. Oh, you just get yourself an inside man or, or an inside not Scully, if you will, to explain, oh no, there's a long-term plan to depopulate the earth. That's why this is happening. And the other thing he does is the Jesus part. Parker's like, oh no, dad's yelling again. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other, the problem with doing this, he did this repeatedly in both the first and last episodes. He has characters selling themselves out just to advance the plot. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter how the characters have ever acted before. He has them act in a certain way to move the plot forward. And it's just fucking terrible writing. You got non-Scully selling out to Cancer Man so she, she could survive the depopulation of the Earth, even though she admits that plan didn't go into effect until nine years after she fucking started lighting his cigarettes. Right. You know, you, you need Mulder to get from Cancer Man's house in South Carolina to Washington, D.C., even though he's dying and can't get out of his own chair. Well, just have an agent that he barely knows open his non-password-protected laptop and run his fucking phone-finding program. Yeah, that, that to me stood out as problematic on a variety of levels. If you are as big a conspiracy freak as Mulder, and you don't have your laptop just fucking encrypted. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's All my shit's encrypted. My phone's encrypted. My phone's got a passphrase on it. Not a passcode. A pa I need to type, like, words into my phone. <laughs> Especially since they had you know, given a nod to biometric um, locks with the second episode with um, Dr. Sanjay's phone. Oh, absolutely. Uh, plus, he name checks uh, Edward Snowden. Yeah. So he has to know... Some of what's, if you followed Snowden's story at all, Fox Mulder would not have a smartphone. No. He wouldn't have a phone with a GPS in it. <laughs> and he certainly wouldn't fucking carry it with him, turned on, accepting phone calls on his way to go point a gun at Cancer Man. No. Because even if you've listened to Ed, the guy's a fed. He must have run a pen register. He has to know that even without GPS, you could track a cell phone based on the towers that it's pinging to. Yeah. They, so, do, they do that on Law and Order SVU. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, but it's, oh, he needs Mulder to be that dumb and blindly trusting of AT&T and shit. Yeah. Just to get his plot from A to B, and Fox Mulder would not act in that way. I know that from two seasons of the show and two fucking movies. Right. Now, and he doesn't do any better by Scully. He's like, all right, shit, I need Scully to act in blind faith that there's a conspiracy that's going to make people die if they don't have alien DNA. But I also need Scully to be the voice of reason to force more research. So you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to create a new Scully. I'm going to call her Einstein. Which one's going to act like Scully? Einstein. <laughs> it's just, that's, but that's the grift that he's gotten by. He can make characters act in any way. And sometimes he's smart enough to say, I'm going to make this character act in a different way because aliens. How do we explain the aliens? We'll have two people in a room talking back and forth until I've connected everything enough, at least on paper, to make you believe it's an alien. I know what we're going to find out the real problem is. I know the problem. Scrolls. What? Scrolls. Scrolls. I thought you said squirrels. I'm like, really? Could be squirrels. Uh, I don't don't think squirrels are really going to be the problem. (laughs) Scrolls are more aliens. I know. And it's, uh, look, there's definitely aliens. And again, that was another problem I had with it. (sighs) (laughs) Then there's the cliffhanger. Mother fuck. I think I heard something about this got renewed if they want to give it a, a second. I Googled it. It has not officially been renewed. Okay. I thought I had heard something about it, though. The fucking balls. The balls. <laughs> How many balls? For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. Balls. Many balls. Important balls. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> the balls. It takes a guy who has failed with everything he's done just about since the X-Files. The balls it takes for that guy who's lucky enough to get a six-episode order after all those failures. Lucky enough to get his old stars to make up enough time to shoot those six episodes. Stars who are maybe not in high A-list Hollywood picture demand, but they're working. I think Jillian Anderson's doing all right for herself these days. David Duchovny at least has an Aquarius thing going on for as long as it goes. He's had series. He's had shit to do. These guys have had to clear time on their schedule to do this. So for this guy to have that kind of luck line up and nobody's got any commitment to do anything else for him (laughs) ever again, for him to end his 10th season on a fucking cliffhanger. Yeah. I I wrote down the exact notes I put in my notebook as I was watching it because it it goes through a couple of cuts before the very end. It's like Mulder needs stem cells. Why? This is all caps. Why? This is the first we're hearing about stem cells. How does Scully? Okay, a spaceship. (laughs) What's a spaceship? A fucking cliffhanger. (laughs) I mean, I don't even have anything to add to that. It's like really, and and now when it's all said and done, the the title sequence changed from "The Truth Is Out There" on this final episode to "This Is the End." Okay, it might be. It might be. This is how you're going to end your creation? Don't get me wrong. Now that I've learned the last end had to do with Cancer Man was Mulder's father. All right, maybe this is better. I don't know. (laughs) What the hell else did I miss in the final episode of X-Files? You probably don't remember uh, any better than I do. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. How did you feel when you cut to credits and there was no fucking end to this story? Yeah, I... I thought it was poorly resolved. Um, I thought that they were banking too much on we're going to somehow get renewed, even though I'm pretty sure that Carter said in the same Rolling Stone episode, article that he, he was all set. He told the story that he needed to tell. Really? Then then why didn't you end it? End it. <laughs> Stories have endings. Beginning, middle, end. Yes. If you're making the extra money, denouement, but that's not strictly necessary. <laughs> At least has to have an end. Right. So... I I I thought that it was ham-handed and they were trying to jam too much into six episodes total. If they wanted to tell a story like this, I think they maybe 
could have uh, focused the whole series on on this sort of thing rather than trying to lighten it up with the Monster of the Week episodes, although I appreciated those episodes. I more than appreciated them. It's that's what I, saved the saved the uh, yeah the give me, series. Give me four episodes and lose the fucking bookends, and you've got something where it's like, yeah, I'd kind of like to see more of this. I I agree, but I'm saying for for the amount they jammed into the finale and the pilot, um, it, it was just too much. Either either spend the whole series on it, or lose it entirely and just go light. For for all six, so I legitimately can't tell <laughs> if he tried to cram too much into it, or if he's just a crappy writer. I mean, I honestly don't both. know. I both. I don't know which episodes that I've seen he wrote. I don't know if he wrote the movies, but all I know through both the first and the second, the amount of God we got two guys in a room, three people in a room, a guy and a girl in a room, the two people in a car. Just back and forth saying, oh, this and this and this and then this and uh, see how they're all tied together. Now let's move on to how I just told you they're tied together and let's see a thing and I don't know how to get out of this thing. So we'll put two more people in a room and I'm, it, it's it really, it, it just struck me as a guy who said, you know, I'd like to get here. Yeah. So anything that I have to do to get here. If I have to brainwash my own characters to do dumb shit to get here, if I have to make people make leaps in logic, I mean, the fucking stem cell thing at the very end, one final last leap in logic. He needs stem cells. You haven't said the word stem and cells in six hours <laughs> of fucking television. It's like he had certain things up that were connected by string in the writer's room, and by God, he was going to get it all in there. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a, well, shit, how are we going to get from here to here? Okay. Interior. Jeff Winger and Mulder <laughs> walk into a room. <laughs> that should be, that's a sentence that needs to be ended with a punchline. Jeff Winger and, <laughs> Jeff Winger and Fox Mulder walk into a bar. <laughs> Winger gets laid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so fucking bad. And there was legitimately good shit in between them. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Do we want any more after this? I, if the point of more is to wrap up or to create more mythology around this fucking disease and cancer man and depopulate, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm not sure how you come back from that. Cause like I said, for me, it just felt like a really big betrayal to jam that much stuff in there to make it so explicit that it was a government issue interfering with man rather than the possibility of of the aliens oh but uh, the the combination of the explicit it's a government conspiracy based on alien tech there's yeah. no question whatsoever about what came from what I mean, it just it was after after all of the um sort of you know is it or isn't it for nine seasons to just be that explicit felt yeah. lazy and the final scene takes place on some kind of causeway with thousands of cars and people outside their cars and an alien ship overhead. How are you going to explain <laughs> that shit away? Yeah, it's, like mass hallucination? Yeah, it's <laughs> you've shot your wad at this point. Now it's, there's aliens. Right. There's aliens and there's a conspiracy. And if humanity gets through this, now it's all over. What the fuck do you do at that point? Yeah. No, we're starting a new conspiracy <laughs> with blackjack and hookers 
to fuck the conspiracy. <laughs> I mean, the middle episodes show me that this conceit can still work. Yeah, and they, they show me... I don't know. I was going to say, it shows me that it can work with new people in the same roles. Because like I said, clearly that fifth episode was sort of a stealth pilot with yeah. you know a, what amounts to a new Scully and Mulder. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he even, he even fucked that up. Because... Miller and Einstein spent next to no time together. Right. At the very beginning and the very end, they spent most of the episodes split up, one with Mulder and one with Scully. So we don't even really have a good test of whether these two have any kind of chemistry together. Yeah. I mean, there's there's that sort of closing scene where Agent Einstein um, comforts Agent Miller and says, you know, he he did good um, protecting uh, the guy in the hospital from those that would, would seek to harm him. But, but that was it. I mean, there's just enough there between the two of them to be like, all right, if you want to do a season 11 and do it in a similar way, preferably <laughs> with somebody else in the fucking peak seat, then, yeah, all right, let's give them another couple tries together to see if they have that same kind of chemistry, and then, fine, move on with new ones. Right. I mean, because, yeah, this mythology shit in the state that it's in, it's got to be chucked. It did no goddamn favors for this season. I don't disagree. I mean, if Fox wants to continue with the X-Files, the best thing they could probably do is do what Disney did with Star Wars. You know, one last hurrah with the original cast, you know, bring in these new people and take Chris Carter and just Lucas him into the fucking <laughs> Just give him the old, thank you, Chris. We'll take that under advisement and put and then, somebody yeah. new in charge. Yeah. Start over with it. Give it to J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Why not? He still has his hand in TV. But yeah, give Chris Carter a check and a handshake and a smile and thank you for everything you've done and start fresh. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. Lucas him into the cornfield. That could be a title. <laughs> Do we have any potential titles? Yeah, uh, we'll find out. So yeah, it's a I was really excited by the middle ones, particularly, yeah, oh, that third one. Let's pretend almost none of anything going on outside with the mythology is happening. Just give me fun and Good characters and interesting, cool shit going on. Yeah, that was great. That one episode salvages the entire thing for me. Yeah. Well, because it, it, it felt like it cared about what came before, whereas some of the other more glaring misste- missteps in this series made it seem as though they didn't really care that much about what came before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Chris Carter, and I just, I really want to work some stuff out about my spirituality, and I'd like to do it in your living room. If you want to talk to God, let's go see him together. I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> I'm angry, goddammit. This isn't, isn't just showing up on our doorstep trying to sell us the watchtower. Oh, all right. I'll give it that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, it can be, I mean, uh, the ultimate question I kind of asked you upstairs was, okay, you've got the first nine seasons and the first movie on DVD, will we be obtaining season 10 to add to the collection for completeness's sake? I feel as though I need to go back and finish watching the rest of the old series and then watch these six again and see if, if there's something I missed. And then I would know if I need to buy this. Okay. Fair enough. Because... Yeah, I, again, like you, the those first two seasons are now very fresh in my mind because we just watched them a little while ago. I have seen all all nine seasons, 
but it's just been so long since I've seen those those other seven seasons that this summer, if we're remotely caught up on the TiVo and we have a little bit of a lull, yeah, we can go through them. Just a, it's a the beginning or end of season five. I should be wicked intoxicated yeah, before I start pretty watching. Sure, pretty sure. All right, so it's somewhere in the fifth season. <coughs> yeah. All right. When when you see the jump the shark episode, you, you let me know. I will. Then uh, I will start buying higher test beer. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, definitely, definitely buy into season six anyway, because yeah, seven and eight, we start seeing less of Mulder and more pregnant Scully and just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I can live with that. Yeah. And it's, I, it occurs to me, I went on some fairly substantial rants. Is there anything you want to add about this before we move on? No, I, I, I do like how they more or less sort of resolved Mulder, Mulder and Scully's relationship after sort of get, having them like get together and, and have the kid, which, you know, that's when, when Sam and Diane got together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the old moonlighting. Yeah. You know, there's after a certain point, not, not every time, not every person that you work with that is of the opposite sex, you have to nail. Just <laughs> wait, what? It, I thought it was in the employee handbook. <laughs> Sometimes people can just be people and they work together. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, and they can still be friends, and they don't have to fuck each other. <laughs> I think they you're don't. lying. I think you're lying. <laughs> um. So you know, when when that happened in the old series, it was just like, oh, all right, okay, fine, we went there. And then they sort of worked out some of that stuff in in the movies. When when they came back, and Scully had legitimate concerns for Mulder's mental health. I thought that was going to be an interesting path to go down. Yeah. And then they backed right the fuck off that after the first episode. Actually, yeah. You're right. It was brought up and it could have been interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, at this point. Yeah, we last saw him in 2009. Yep. So let's say they broke up uh, 2011, 2012. Yeah. Even 2003. Fine. That's three years he's been out in this house in the middle of nowhere all by himself. That could be an not in, on his meds, right? That could be an interesting. Yeah, they very much brought up his medication. Yeah, it could have been an interesting way to go down. And instead, even with all those questions, there were certain things in this series you just sort of had to take on faith. It's like, yeah, I've been living in a shack out in the middle of nowhere. Could I be an FBI guy again? Yeah, sure. We'll give you your badge. <laughs> Come on in. We'll mail it to you, so you're all set when when you show up. Like you know, as as much as the first episode wasn't very good, it did bring up some interesting things. Where I was like, all right, if you're gonna explore this, I, I'll go with you. But all right, that's dark. And then they backed right off it. <laughs> well, it's it's like I said about the what was it the fourth episode with Scully's mom? Yeah, you know, all these things they they bring up, and it's again, it's the the problem where it, when it. You have a conspiracy type mythology show. It feels like everything's important. It's like, oh God, she changed her living will with two naval officers. Were they? Was she there against her will? Well, that's, she- I had those questions. Like, all right, if we don't know who these two officers are, because if I'm Scully and somebody told me that my mom changed her living will, I would want to see the signatures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but instead, it's just sort of nope. Okay, she's flatlined. She's given up her organs. And yeah, we'll move on. It, yeah, I mean, no, you show me that living will, and I need to, I need to call my lawyer and. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the the things were brought up at various points in this that they just sort of let go. Yeah, just sort of moved on with. They just which again, I I wonder if they tried to do too much. If they if they could have just edited some of their ideas 
And and if if it's true that Carter was only thinking, yeah, I just I want to do these six to get stuff out of my system, and then I'm done telling my story. Uh, dude. <laughs> yeah, but when you end on a cliffhanger that is such unmitigated bullshit. Yes. And I, there has to be some kind of stealth renewal in place. There must be. I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine Fox being so sure that this is a winner idea that's going to make them money that they would sign a contract that doesn't give them the right to say, no, you know what? You have to give us a fucking ending. Right. Yeah. Or that they would agree to show a cliffhanger ending. Yeah. Without saying, yeah, we got everybody in the can. We'll, we'll keep everybody in suspense for a little while. I'm not even in suspense. If Frank, bring it back. And if you're, if we're going to do weird expository, dumb deus ex machina bullshit, go straight for the jugular. Let's, let's give this the full Dallas. <laughs> in the first episode of season 11, Fox Mulder wakes up and Sully, Scully's next to him. Oh, shit. It's still 2011, isn't it? Okay, I dreamed all that shit. Yeah, or, or the new heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll work. Fine. Make it a dream at the very, very end. Yeah. Just un- unwipe this fucking plague on humanity horse shit. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to... Touch on on X Files. It's no, oh, but I'm beginning to wonder if I got some alien DNA, if I could get over this goddamn cold. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I want to say to that alien? Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> <coughs> All right. So yeah, it's the the middle episodes give me hope. Yeah. If they can give me more of that and just get away from the rest of this let, bullshit, let Darren I'm, Morgan write more of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm interested in seeing more under those terms. Yeah, but. Ugh. That fucking ending. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to talk some comics? Let's do that. Which which one do you want to talk first? Oh, you can you can pick. <sighs> All right, I don't want to talk too much about this one. I, I, re- <laughs> I know which one it is. I really don't. Okay. Uh, is it is it the Walking Dead, Rob? <sighs> Walking Dead one fifty two. As usual, written by Robert Kirkman, uh, art by Charlie Adlard. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much uh, time on this, but I do want to say, fuck Negan. Okay. I think that's a valid statement. I'm tired of Negan. We've been living with Negan as the fucking boogeyman of The Walking Dead since, like, early Mm mid-2012. It's four years of this fucking guy. I am sick to death. Somebody put a bullet in his head. So we can move on to different fucking stories. Yeah. It's uh, look, this is, and I know I've said to you before, really start buying Walking Dead in trades. And somehow I keep buying it on single issues. I don't know why I do it. I don't know if I'm a glutton for punishment. I think you are. I don't know if I just want the whole thing complete as part of my ridiculously underfunded retirement plan. I blame rampant substance abuse. It's very possible. Uh, could be a lot of things, but I keep getting the single issues. And spoiler alert, this is the issue where Negan escapes. And we all knew it was fucking coming. Mm-hmm. And we all have an idea about what's coming. The only interesting question about Negan's escape is whether or not Brandon actually did it or whether Michonne took care of it while waiting for Rick to come up because she sees Rick starting to get megalomaniac- megalomaniacal. Thanks. It's a hard word. I know it in my head, but... It's okay. But... Yeah, words are hard. They are after this many beers. This is Baxter Brewing Company, high test beer. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of the hell of it. The the story about a good man moving into tyranny is an interesting story, and I think we're beginning to get that with Rick. We got the governor, and we got Negan, sort of 
after whatever had happened to them had happened. We saw them already as evil. So seeing Rick potentially moving in that direction, it's a good story. It's arguably one that needs to be told in this. You know, but I just, I'm so goddamn tired. I've got Negan fatigue. I fucking hate him. Every time I see him, it casts a fucking pall over a story I should really be excited about when it debuted. But let's remember that story debuted. This story that we're in. Yes. Debuted right after All Out War, which is almost two years ago. Two years, the Whisperer story's been fucking going on. Yeah. So between Negan and the slow pacing, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I keep this book in my pulls. Yeah. So goddamn disappointed because in the letters column last month, Robert Kirkman said Negan is not getting out of that cell. Lots. I'm like, all right, maybe there's something going on here I, I'm not anticipating. And sure enough, he's out of the fucking cell. Fuck Negan. Mr. Kirkman, we'd like to have a word with you. Fuck Negan. <laughs> the, those words are fuck Negan. I think we're pretty clear on this. He I, needs to go. I just, th that's my vent. Anything you want to add? No, it's please? just, I, I read it. I was like, yeah, okay. All right, whatever. He's out. Uh, yep. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, all right, you pick the... Uh, let's talk Green Lantern. Okay. Uh, Green Lantern 50. Uh, written by Robert Venditti, art by Billy Tan and uh, Vincent uh, Sifuentes. What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I like this one, and I wanted to address it, even though it's kind of pointless to recommend a new DC comic with a uh, rebirth coming up, yes. where the whole shooting match is going to be somehow. Oh, this, this was a number one, wasn't it? No, it's fifty-two. I'm sorry. Say again. What number was this one? This is number fifty. Number fifty. Okay. Yeah, we're not into rebirth yet. That's right. that's not for another couple of months. Yay, cold medication. Yeah, yeah, you're you're on the good shit. <laughs> Stuff I had to sign for. You're on a list. <laughs> yeah, well, stop getting sick and they won't <laughs> keep thinking I'm making meth. But I, I wanted to talk about this one for a couple reasons. Um, one of them is, for anybody who's been complaining since the New 52 that, oh, they got rid of all the early stuff, all the post-crisis, uh, pre-Flashpoint things that I loved about DC Comics and it just hasn't been the same... With Convergence behind us and Rebirth on the way, it, it does seem like DC Editorial has sort of loosened up on using pre-Flashpoint characters in, in history. Yes. Because, yeah, we get Parallax in this issue. Yeah. Um, and it's clearly the Parallax from before Flashpoint. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird situation with Green Lantern because of, of almost all the DC characters, Green Lantern is one whose continuity was almost unchanged after the New 52. Right. Because, you know, which makes sense. I mean, considering how popular Blackest Night was, you know, only a fucking idiot would say, oh, yeah, that story everybody loved and brought our sales up close to, to Marvel for a few months. Yeah, that never happened. <laughs> they were never going to do that. So, um, but yeah, it's, but that means that Parallax and the fact that Hal Jordan was Parallax is part of New 52 continuity. It's something that happened. So, yeah, right. this is clearly the, the post-crisis pre-Flashpoint version. So, yeah, we're starting to get elements of those old stories that we thought were gone and that some of us, particularly with the execution of some of the new 52 <laughs> said, shit, I wish they hadn't have done that. Right. That we're, we're getting a piece of it back. Okay. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. The, the second reason I wanted to talk about it is, you know, even though it's, it's doomed, it's going to be washed away by rebirth. I have really enjoyed, and I know you have not been reading this on a regular basis. No. Green Lantern is on my polls. Yeah. 
Um, but I've really enjoyed what Robert Venditti's been doing really since Godhead ended. So about the last year's worth of, of Green Lantern books. Okay. Um, and I like it for reasons that are probably things that most hardcore Green Lantern fans think, no, that's stupid. Why would you do that? <laughs> but it, it really works for me. I, I like that it gets Hal the fuck away from the Green Lantern Corps. Yes. I, I like the idea of the Green Lantern Corps, but as an idea, I think it works a hell of a lot better than it normally gets executed as. Mm-hmm. I Because mean, Green Lantern Corps is supposed to be space cops. Yeah. They're, they're the police of the universe. So that's an idea with some legs. And it's an idea that normally gets executed with Hal out there, with Kilowog, and... Chip and all the others going, oh, come on, the odds are against us, but let's go into space battle with whoever. And that's fine, but that's more of a war comic. And yeah. that's okay. And the Owens being cosmic downers. And- well, yeah, they, they really are. They're, they're the buzzkill uh, of, of the universe. Yeah. But the idea of space cops, that's an idea with a lot of juice if, if you do it right. Because I mean, the, the, with the way they normally do, I mean, imagine Lethal Weapon. Yeah. But a Lethal Weapon movie where like half of it is set in the chief's office and it's nothing but the chief in internal affairs talking about how somebody really needs to do something about that barbaric Martin Riggs. <laughs> it's something that might happen in a cop story, but it's not exciting and it's not Lethal Weapon and it's not really a cop story. Although now I want to see Kilowog played by Danny Glover. <laughs> he is getting too old for this shit. But, uh, yeah, it's a, there's just too many stories of, you know, Hal leading this ragtag group. Yeah, and it's not or really. Or guy leading this ragtag group. Yeah, depending or guy on, or John Stewart or yeah. whatever. But, you know, recently since the original Green Lantern rebirth, it's been Hal for the yeah. most part. But it's, that's not a cop story. And you've got really cool shit you could do with the idea of Green Lantern being a space cop. Cause I mean, with the framework of a cop story, that look, Hal's the Green Lantern of a real, backwater world <laughs> in sector 2814 yep you know so right there you got a space western he's the one cop working in what amounts to a dirty frontier toilet <laughs> you know and you can imagine aliens coming here and sort of trying to exploit and sell technology and you know yeah cutting up ugly and uh, okay you gotta get out of town by midnight you can do a decent sort of western style sheriff story there the other thing hal's got a secret identity by nature he's undercover yeah. You do fucking Space Miami Vice. <laughs> Hal Crockett. Oh, God. Guy Tubbs. Oh. <laughs> you could oh. do it. <laughs> you that, could. That's a cool story. Nobody ever talks about it. It's like, you know, oh, they have the aliens come down. It's like, yeah, we're trying to sell Cundian ale. Oh, Jesus, but we know the cops are here somewhere. We've got to sell. I found a new source. He calls himself Hal Burnett. <laughs> I mean, somewhere there's there's an Owen that's going to be Castillo in this. <laughs> All the Owens are Castillo. <laughs> they all have that, that personality. Gross. <laughs> but it's that's why I like what Venditti's done because he's kind of taken that idea of okay, it's sort of a grimy cop story, and he's kind of made it like a Raymond Chandlerish private dick story. You know, Hal yeah. is just sort of out. You know, he's got one or two friends in his ship, and he's been sort of righting some wrongs as he goes, and now he's back you know, on Earth with his family, and it's not a traditional thing, but it's kind of cool, and it. It shows to me that Venditti kind of understands what you can do with space cop that is not necessarily the same shit that's everybody else has done. Yeah. 
So, I mean, in, in this particular case, yeah, you could sort of see it as kind of a high noon kind of thing. Okay. You know, Hal's returned home to his town, and maybe he wants to just spend time with his family, and one of the biggest bads he ever has faced, who knows everything about him, comes into town for a showdown. It's, and I just, I kind of like that. Yeah. I thought the, the stakes were interesting because, um, Parallax is, is commenting on how Hal is, is a danger who will destroy his city as they are destroying their city. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Parallax has always sort of had the, the short view of everything. Yeah. But it, it, part of what I also liked was, yeah, this book kind of asked the question if you say you would do anything to undo the worst thing you ever did, yeah. would you really? Because I mean, Hal is facing down. So Parallax is on paper infinitely more powerful than than Hal is, even with the gauntlet. And Hal only starts to defeat Parallax by literally kind of just almost destroying himself to the point he can't quite bring himself back from it. Yeah, you know, and his willpower isn't strong enough to bring him back from what he does to himself. And even the last time his willpower failed in that way, what did he get? He got fucking Parallax. Parallax. So it's just kind of an interesting thing that's going on and it's uh, yeah i've really enjoyed it and like i said it's it is it's kind of stupid to yeah. recommend it because it's going to be blown away but it's did. it's an interesting concept so if you're looking for for something to tide you over for the next couple of months before rebirth you know read read green lantern <laughs> yeah absolutely I've, I've really been enjoying it i'm looking forward to the next couple issues to, to seeing how it plays out and yeah it's from a from a raw what's going to happen with rebirth standpoint you got a book where hal jordan is meaning hal jordan from the pre-flashpoint universe if we're going to get hints as to what might go on this right. might be a place where you might see him so it might be a decent book to just sort of look at to sort of get hints as to what people have in mind yeah totally but yeah i mean one thing i put in here it's you know, i've been <coughs> i've been enjoying it and i hope venditti continues on the character but we don't know the creative teams yet no. for uh for most of it. we know there's going to be a Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps book and a Green Lanterns book, but we don't know what those are yet. There's going to be a panel streaming from WonderCon, right? About yeah, the uh, the creative teams are going to be announced uh, on a uh, a panel during WonderCon. I don't know if it's an official WonderCon panel or just uh, or an offsite, but it's going to be Saturday, March 26th at noon Eastern time, I think. Okay. And DC is going to be live streaming that panel on the uh, the DC Entertainment YouTube channel. Okay. So we are going to try to check that out and, uh, and pull some <coughs> some audio for that. So so that Sunday the show should. So be. is that noon our time or noon their time? Noon our time. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong on that. I'll, I'll try to confirm it, but I'm pretty sure it's 9 a.m. Pacific time. Okay. Uh, noon Eastern time. All right. Uh, Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, be I don't fucking know because I'm an American and geography and that kind of shit. Not so good <laughs> at it. But yeah, it's a we'll we'll try to pull some audio from that. So we'll be, we'll be talking about the new creative teams, hopefully, hopefully during that show. Okay. So yeah, it's a, just it's a book uh, I've been enjoying. I wanted to give it a shout out. Yeah, but, no, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I kind of slapped it into your hands today and say this is what yeah, I want to talk about this week. <laughs> so thanks for that. Hey, you read this. All right. Sorry, about that, but get me a McMuffin of some sort, and I will read this. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> as, as somebody who hadn't been reading it, it's uh, literally I gave you the twenty second rundown of. Yeah, Hal's not in the Green Lantern Corps. He's stolen this, and he's just sort of been off having his own adventures without the Corps, and now he's with his family. Okay. So was that was that enough to for you to enjoy the book? Yeah. Okay. <coughs> so I'm see, sorry, I keep coughing. That, that's all right. Um, don't die. Okay. Because I had some beer. I can't get you to the hospital. Okay. So. 
All right. Now, this book I also really enjoyed and am looking forward to continuing to read. Yeah. Black Widow number one, uh, written by Mark Wade, art by Chris Samney. Actually, uh, Samney also uh, was a writer on this. They, was he? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, it, in its own way, it makes sense. He definitely uh, was a massive contributor since uh, I counted and half the pages in this book had no dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. So the art is a huge part of the story <laughs> in this book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this comic is exactly the right size and weight for Scarlett Johansson to use to slap Kevin Feige across the face and go, see, it wouldn't be that fucking hard to have its own movie. Yeah. It's, this is, I mean, it, it's great. It's, it's action driven without being, um, too fluffy. Like there's, there's definitely stuff going on and, and yeah, even without the use of a lot of words, this is, um, a story where, we learn about Widow by kind of watching her in action and how others react to her. Oh yeah. It's look, this is this is an old school in media res James Bond movie opening. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're right in the middle of some kind of operation. What did Widow steal? Who knows? Why is Maria Hill so pissed? Who cares? It is just purely to give us some action. Before the main plot starts, and it's just like every James Bond movie ever. Yeah, really. Yeah, and it's it takes elements from a lot of the cool pre credit James yeah. Bond movies. Yeah, you know, the the doomed base jump where it looks like the hero's dead and it turns into a parachute jump. You know, right at the that's right out of the Spy Who Loved Me. Yep. You know, the chase on stolen motorcycles, like in ridiculous areas, like on girders and shit. That's out of uh, uh what was the last one? Not Spectre, uh, Skyfall. Okay. Uh, the, I mean, the shield flying car is sort of a classic from the comics, yeah. but you know, it's a, look, that's basically Bond's DB5 yeah. <laughs> taking the nth degree because comics have no special effects budget. You know, I mean, right down to how everything goes from gadgets to just fighting with rocks and shit to yeah. try to call from, oh. all right, we're, mo- <laughs> we're moving toward Daniel Craig realism. It really had a, a James Bond opening feel to it. And it's the way it is written. It, it is lean and spare and tells you exactly what you need to know and shows you the rest of it. The premise of the entire book is right on the first page. It's three panels <laughs> with <laughs> Widow fighting her way through what looks like an office building and director Maria Hill saying over the intercom. She can't leave the building. She can't leave the building. She is an enemy of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's all you have to know. And the rest of the action just flows from it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it was it was a great fun read. Yeah, it's in one page. You know what's going on. You spend the rest of the nineteen watching the chase, and it's all it's, it has everything. It's all classic super spy shit. You know, faking a surrender and the fights and that cocky kiss on the helmet before she steals the dude's jetpack. She steals a dude's jetpack. Yeah, <laughs> this is super spy action. It's fucking glorious. <laughs> in midair, she steals his jetpack. Yeah, <laughs> and. Yeah, and Samney's art really works well for it, and it absolutely has to because that is purely half the book. Yeah. So it's, you know, right down to the cover. Even the cover tells you everything that you have to know about what you're going to see. It's got Widow on the motorcycle. She's using the back tire of the motorcycle to crush the shield logo, and she's looking back over her shoulder and shooting at somebody who's chasing her. It's the entire opening yeah. issue in one image. It's it's smart cool drawing 
and everything that he's done, it's like it, it was in Daredevil and everything I've seen him do. It's, it's simple lines. Mm -hmm. Everything's easy to follow. The pacing is fucking great. Oh, yeah. Uh, the best example was, uh, and you'll remember this, where she, the initial escape from the, the building in air quotes, where, and I'm going to spoil this. I kind of have to, to tell what it is. It's, she blows the window. There's a panel of her jumping and then we have two, simultaneous panels just sort of moving closer her, to her face that simultaneously simulate like a zoom in on mm -hmm. a camera, but also force the perspective down to just her face. And then you turn the page and it's this massive double page spread of the helicarrier, like 20 something thousand. Yeah, she, feet she busted out of the helicarrier. Yeah. With just her tiny and a little action line coming out of the window, falling toward New York City. And it just forces the reader to immediately slow down and take in this giant image and go, I literally said, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah, everything that is good and fun and right about comics. This is it. It's exactly enough story <coughs> to propel big action, you know, big stakes. And it uses every dollar of the special effect budget it doesn't fucking need. It's the right. best first issue I've read in a long time. Kevin Feige, make a Black Widow movie for fuck's sake. Yeah, if this doesn't show you how to do it, you ain't never going to learn it. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is probably my favorite issue of the entire week. Yeah, no, it was, that was a great like issue. Like I said, my favorite first issue in recent memory, probably in the last four or five months anyway. Yeah. No, it I, it was much anticipated and it lived up to to the hype. <laughs> Dude, that's that's the thing. I I heard about it when it was coming out and went, uh, Black Widow, okay. But it's vastly better than, it is It is more than, than I anticipated. So. Yeah. Don't don't hurt yourself just sitting there. <laughs> Amanda just leaned on another chair and said, "Ow, it's a no. You're leaning. It's not hard. It's good for you." I'm broken. It's it's a chair. Oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't know how this machine worked. <laughs> I'm just gonna go to bed now. <laughs> well, do we have anything else for for this week? No, I, I think I think we covered everything that we wanted to talk about. Okay. I the X Files just I was so looking forward to it and. There were definitely moments that made me like really excited, and I really enjoyed it. You know, when they met the were monster, we talked about over and over again. Great, but just overall, it just made me so disappointed for what could have been. <laughs> yeah, there was there was some good stuff in it. Yeah, and the good stuff was really good. The problem is the bad stuff was really bad. Yeah, and the bad stuff had one guy's name all over it. Right. And it's pure George Lucas disease. You know, it's you can create a thing. You can have a brilliant idea that's a framework that can propel a million different stories. Sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean you're the guy to tell them. Yeah. The other people who told stories here, particularly when they were allowed to deviate from the, oh no, we've got six episodes and you got to talk about William. Do you have William in there? We got to have fucking William. <laughs> there was some really interesting stuff. Yeah. Some better than others. Some absolutely great. But the failures of it at the beginning and at the end were glaring. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say catastrophic because I don't want to throw my hands up and say, good, I'm glad it's over. Right. But yeah, it's <laughs> Chris Carter. Chris, look, man, I'm, I'm talking to you. <laughs> don't use my television to work your shit out. Do you fucking understand me? Tell me a story. <laughs> and make it good. Or better yet. Hire other people to tell you the story. Just cash the fucking checks. 
just cash the, sell it to Fox and cash the Lucas check. <laughs> and just send your emails of, you know, it's a good story. And they'll go, oh, okay, thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. And, take that under advice. Yeah, how's retired life treating you, Chris? How's retirement <laughs> treating you? Yeah, in a cabin in the woods, away from others. You named not what you named two episodes after Mein Kampf. <laughs> How's retirement? God damn it! <laughs> My struggle with the X Files reopened. Oh God, <laughs> I'm not even gonna sound effect that. Okay. <laughs> all <Yeah>. right. <laughs> and on that note, and on that note, all right. Is is that all we got? Yeah. All right. So we will wrap it up. As usual, I don't know where you found this episode because God only knows how it crawls across the internet, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. I'm trying to do more there, but thanks to illness, I was lucky I could do anything this Mm -hmm. week. We certainly can get messages there, though, and yeah, it's a Facebook page is Crisis on Infinite Midlives. Uh, We are on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Did I get that right? Every once in a while, I forget. At Infinite Midlife, yes. At Infinite Midlife. All right, we are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. We are on iTunes, and if that is your preferred way to obtain podcasts and you find yourself logged in, do us a favor and shoot us a rating, give us a review. It helps new people find the show. Yeah. Uh, we are on TuneIn Radio. We're on Stitcher. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can always email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Did I miss anything? I'm always worried I, think, I missed something. I think that's everything. This is why we can't... I'm, I'd love to find more outlets for the show. God, I don't think I'm remembering more for the end of the show. Are we on Google Plus? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. All right. Don't use Google Plus. We're not sure if we're on that. Yeah. It's <laughs> worth a shot, maybe, but... You can, um, if you, if you come in, If you come by our Facebook page, you can drop us a message through Facebook. You can like us... Yes, like us. <laughs> I can ratify my bullshit. <laughs> uh, all right. I think we're done. All right. This has been episode 105 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And I think I'm dying. <laughs> You're not fucking dying, all right? Just take two or three more of those. Throw me some of those pills. Need stem cells. <laughs> you don't fucking need stem cells. God damn you, Chris Carter. (laughs) You're always fucking doing this.